podcasters. Welcome to the McCove Mindset. I'm Kevin McCove. Thank you so much for joining us week after week. I hope that I've been adding value to you. I know this week we're going to sit down with Aaron Maloney, an incredible musician. He has figured out the hack to being a full-time musician. So let's get to it. we can i can hear you yeah so what's going on with you uh everything nothing i don't know how to answer that question but a lot let's see um just got back from boston like i was saying uh we were up there at ned vines for a weekend this is i guess i should preface uh right now with it's all good uh that's been been a band about a year and a half now um and that's your cover band that's the cover band top 40 covers but we just added an original song for the first time, maybe two weeks ago, we started playing it live, and it's been going really well. So Dope. we're filming a music video for it soon. Uh, have like a whole choreographer and like a dance department, like all this stuff. That's gonna lit. be going. Am I too far away from this mic? Nah, too? you're good. Okay. Um, all that stuff's gonna be uh, in there as well. So it'll be cool. We have a lot of fun ideas for it. Um, but that's been going well. And uh, but anyway, yeah, we were up in Boston, uh, performing up there for two nights, and it was really awesome. Really, really fun time. So it was a good way to end the summer. So how did, like, so I know you as an original artist, right? Yeah, like, yeah. when we first met, I think you were doing you were doing original music. You had the band Wave Runner. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, and I really want to say that we probably met at, like, Dewey Beach Music Conference, maybe, like, Pop 2015 Fest, or something Dewey like Beach, that. Pop Fest or something yeah, like that. Yeah, some, yeah, like some back, like, five years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you transition from original to covers? So, uh, when Wave Runner started, I was uh, playing drums in a band called This is the Apocalypse. It was a metal band, and that's what I was touring with. Um, and so, I started Wave Runner as a side thing. Then when I finished playing in This is the Apocalypse, I really wanted to still play, but I didn't want to be touring. That was the biggest thing that was tough, was being gone for three months at a time, or two months at a time, and then back for two weeks, and then gone again. You can't really have any sort of normal life. Right. So um, a friend of mine, Victoria Watts, at the time, we were uh, started playing music together, and I uh, started playing drums for her. <clears throat> and that uh, Oh, for like the Victoria Watts band? For the Victoria Watts band, okay, yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. So I, it was me and two other guys, Marat, who's actually in uh, It's All Good Now. So um, eventually, I really started liking the cover th- thing, and uh, eventually when we kind of went our way and Victoria went her way, it ended up leading to us meeting with Starlay, the agency, mm-hmm. um, and we, we talked to them as Wave Runner and just basically were like, look, we've been an original band this whole time. Oh, we'd also gone through some member changes at the time, so it was kind of like, all right, what do we do with this? And we were like, look, we've been an original band this whole time, but we know like 200 covers. Um, <clears throat> And, and Wave Runner had done a bunch of covers and videos and music videos for him. So I sent them to him. So it gave me really good material to put out from the very, very, you know, start of trying to work with agencies. And uh, this guy, Gary, uh, he owns Starlight Entertainment from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Awesome guy. He took us on and uh, put us as like a really high priority, which was awesome. So right away, before we had ever even played a show, we probably had 50 shows booked. Lined up. Just yeah. because he... Like, I mean, he would call me all the time and be like, you guys better be as good as you are in the video. And, like, that's all he would, like, because he had really barely seen us live, only, like, little clips. But, you know, he was like, if you can get to the quality of these videos, then we're going to be able to keep booking you. So we just practiced and practiced and practiced. And uh, so at that point, we still had uh, Wave Runner and It's All Good, kind of. I was still planning on doing some original music. But then eventually all the members were different other than myself. And so it just ended up being a thing where it was like, you know what? 
we should invest all of our time into It's All Good because we're playing so much. We're going to be able to build a fan base rapidly just because of this sheer amount of shows that we're able to play. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and like really cool shows as well. Um, like one, like we got our very first year, we got booked at the Hard Rock Cafe on 4th of July. And that was like a really good it's thing for show. us because yeah, yeah. it's right, right in Baltimore, right on the Inner right Harbor the during the fireworks. Yeah. So it was little things like that. They were like, okay, if we monetize this and, and really, really uh, focus on this group, not only are we going to be able to build a fan base, but also we're going to be able to bring in a decent amount of money to reinvest into what we thought at that point was going to be Wave Runner. But then eventually we were like, let's just focus all on this. And uh, then once we have a fan base, we have somebody to release a single to. Now, when we release this single, we have, um, you know, I would say a, a happy uh, fan base of people that like us as a cover band, but are excited to hear, you know, an original your original song. music yeah, is. exactly. Right. And, and, and when I wrote this first uh, original song, it was in the, my main goal was to make it sound like a cover song. So I wanted a song that when people hear it, they feel like they've heard it before in a way, not in like a plagiarizing way, in, in a, oh, well, I, I know how to sing along to this because the hook is just very, very simple. Right. And I, can, I have plenty of other songs that we can do later. But the first, our first song we wanted to show the public, we wanted to make it so that you almost just feel like it's another cover song because you can sing along to it after hearing the chorus once. Right. So there was a lot that went in. If we're going to release an original song, we got to do it correctly. So, yeah. Word. And so is Starly helping that, like helping with the release behind your original project or so, not? A little bit. Um, Starlay is mostly just our booking agency, mm-hmm. but Gary, because he's taken us on specifically as one of his bands, he's really helped out in, you know, a lot of those other aspects um, as, a, as a manager and stuff like that as well. So that's been really good. We're going to put our, our heads together and uh, try to figure out how to release it. It's been a little while since they've done an original release, so it might be something that we're going to release this one, and then our next goal is to have one original per set, and then eventually shop an album out. I have, I have enough demos that we could shop something out, but right now my goal is to just focus on the one and see what happens. And we definitely, you know, he's helping with a lot of the like, we're gonna see what kind of radio play we can get it on in the areas, especially since we have such an active schedule around Baltimore and stuff. If a Baltimore schedule plays it, there's, or Baltimore station plays it, there's always dates coming up that people could see us in the area and stuff, right. so. Yeah, cause they even host like the whole like, um the, the local station now, I can't remember what the call letters are right now, but they do, like, the whole, like, music on Canton, mm-hmm. like, all that stuff. It's, it's hosted by the station. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's a bunch of stuff, um, like that Hometown Heroes, all those, all those different shows. So, um, but, yeah, I, I, we'll look into that. But I think when people hear the song, I mean, long term, our goal is to obviously get it out to as many people as we can. Right. And I think... It has that potential. Obviously, you you hope that and say that. Yeah, every, every, time, you every release. time you release. But, yeah, yeah. but what's cool about this um, and doing it from the cover band perspective, uh, last week in uh, Boston, it was our third time ever playing it f- as a full band. And we you know felt confident on it, tight on it. And we're playing it in front of 1,100 people. Now, if we were just an original artist playing our, this song for the third time ever, that would be unfathomable for, under most situations. Mm-hmm. But we're already second set in. The crowd is hyped. They know us. I've introduced the band members. They feel like they have that personal connection. Now, I bring up that, hey, we've been a, um, a band for a year now. After the shows, people always come up to me and say, you know, hey, when are you going to write an original song? And then I say, mom, I tell you, uh, we're, we're not doing that right now. Or make some sort of joke just to like bring them in and then say that we have one and and the response it's so it's wild good. to just see people so excited afterwards 
because of the way we've been able to implement it. Whereas when I've been an original artist before and solely original artist, and not that there's anything bad about it, but it's like you're building that, like you're starting with like no one there mm-hmm. and building it up. And now I'm playing for three people. And now I'm playing for five. And we've done a lot of that too, but it's nice that as a cover band, we can go to these clubs that already have a built-in crowd and then all of a sudden play an original song that would be a hard thing to do if we were trying to start, you know, from square yeah. one with original music. So. Yeah, no, yeah, I definitely want to ask more questions kind of about that and your mentality around it. Just mm-hmm. for anyone listening to the podcast who maybe is is kind of feeling that same way, like, oh, I'm an original artist, and every time I do a show, I don't have an audience to get it to. Mm-hmm. Like, the only audience that I have is is a digital audience. And, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, because mm-hmm. I've noticed that there's more and more artists that don't need to perform out live. They only have a digital audience first. Lil Nas X and just then, had the longest number one single. Yeah, so it's like, it's, it's totally fine to just have a digital audience and then go perform mm-hmm. shows. Um, that, that's totally fine, it works, um, especially in 2019. Um, but yeah, I am curious to see, especially if anyone's looking around like, oh, well, I thought about getting into the cover band scene because I know some people do get into the cover band scene, but maybe don't experience, like they can't book the same rooms that this all good could mm-hmm. be, could be mm-hmm. getting in. Because see, I, I remember when your band started because Gary hit me up because I was doing the um, entertainment booking for mm-hmm. yeah, Docklands. Yeah, yeah. And like that so it's nice when you have someone who kind of has some plugs that are in to be able to get you into those rooms if he calls you know it's gonna be something legit yeah you kind of know what you're buying you know like as a talent buyer you know what you're purchasing exactly um so has that been beneficial for you do you think that do you like that do you still have autonomy do you tell me what that experience Uh, like like, for anyone listening booking agent yeah 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 well okay so i've heard obviously horror stories and great stories about different booking agents and stuff but Ours personally, Gary, has been awesome. Um, we were actually talking to a couple different agencies and ended up going with Gary specifically because it felt like he was putting us, it, we weren't just gonna be another band on our, his roster. He wanted to invest in us because he knew long-term there was potential. And so that felt really good. For me, I, for the last, when during Wave Runner and the band I was in before that, Me Equals You, I did all of the booking and it was and we would do, you know, lots of like small tours and stuff like that. We're not really making much money, but it's more the experience. And uh, that was fun when I was younger, but I'm 30 now. And now that is not fun for me. I, I've done that and like experienced that. Now I would much rather just like... Let somebody send, else do it. Yeah, yeah, he sends me a text every day of like the new shows that are booked. And I put him in the calendar and then I get a contract from him. And then that's it. And it's like, it's super easy. Um, it also is nice because he can get... Guarantee, he can ask for guarantees that I might not have been able to pull myself because I don't have the, like you were saying, the weight behind it. He, he, if a agency is going, to, or if like a buyer is going to book us through him, they know, okay, well, anyone that he's booking is at least this level, so it's going to be worth, worth the cost. And also he just, uh, or I guess him, but also just agencies in general, if they're working well for you, for me, it's plenty worth to give the percentage that they charge or whatever to know that you're going to have guaranteed dates and also um, dates that pay well. Now, he'll tell us, you know, sometimes we'll try to take these dates that might not pay as well. We're like, yeah, this would be fun. But he's like, here's the thing. If you guys want to work seven days a week, I'll book you seven days a week, but you won't be able to talk. You won't have any energy ever. It's better to do every Friday and Saturday really, really well, and then we have our Sunday residency that's easy, um, than to try to book all these 
sometimes I think artists, especially in the beginning when they're trying to make money and stuff, they they want to book as many shows as they can because for one reason it's it's you're learning a lot but also you know the clout that comes with it oh I, I played this many shows this year and everything and that is fun and there is you know definitely a good thing to that hustle but you got to be careful that you don't burn yourself out because right. anything anything can become tedious once you've done it a million times i mean um i used to love recording and i still do i love i love producing but it's i have to sit down and put myself in a certain mindset to sit down and produce whereas when i first started and i was just hungry for it all the time i would wake up and like run to my computer to do it and stuff like that whereas right. now it's a much more methodical kind of like okay let's make this mix sound really good but it's a different completely different mindset so anything uh especially with gigs um, i was telling you when i walk in the hardest thing right now for me is my voice is habitually tired all the time i mean right. and i take as good care of it as i can give them the circumstances but when you're singing three hour sets yeah four three hour, hour sets, sets every yeah. single night and for me it's the singing isn't even what the worst is it's the talking it's the hosting in between the the talking to the audience and uh talking to the audience afterwards because half of me you know really needs to save my voice and get back but the other half knows this is the best time for me to be able to get people to follow us online and all that stuff is to make that connection and shake their hand personally after the show and all that stuff so you know there's that balance of so right. so what i've tried to do is i don't talk to people really in between sets at all i just go do my thing you know rest in between and then after the show if they're still there you know if they stayed all night i'll talk to so as many people as i can yeah but if yeah. i when the dj's playing and I, when the music's loud that's just when you're gonna blow your voice out so that's a thing that has made it though a little less enjoyable uh as a career is when every gig you have to you know, when I'm a drummer, I could have a, nothing against drummers. I mean, uh, that's a whole other thing. But when I was drumming, I could have 102 fever, 103 fever, and still like make it through the set, feel like crap, but make it. But like, if I'm having bad allergies as yeah, a yeah. singer, it's like it's horrible. You screwed. can't really do anything. Yeah, because even if you make it through tonight, tomorrow you might be real screwed yeah. because you pushed yourself the night before. And you're the so. front man, so like it, it comes across. Yeah. The energy comes across for sure. Um, just to like kind of recap for people that are listening, I know that that was like a whole lot of stuff. So I guess I'm, I go on tangents. <laughs> no, 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 it's it's cool. Um, so really, I guess, um, some of the overarching themes is kind of like, for you, decide what you want to do. Like, if you want to get into, the, if you are in the cover world, you have the option of doing it kind of independently, which Aaron has done. You know, the whole like booking thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and then there is the option of getting an agent. Um, and what was important, like a, a key that he had mentioned was finding an agent that is really invested in you. It seems like some of the, uh, a lot of the success rather that um, It's All Good has experienced is due to the investment and commitment mm -hmm. that Gary has had in particular to the band. So you definitely want to make sure that like when you're aligning yourself with someone that they're invested in you as much as you're invested in the company. So it's not just kind of this one directional trade where it's, mm -hmm. oh yeah, we got you in rooms and we're getting our cut and then when you get burnt out, you're kind of done, kind of deal. You 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 don't want to get in that situation, and you want to have someone that's going to prioritize you and put you in the right rooms. Um, yeah, absolutely. And on the flip side of that, you also want to make sure you are a band that's giving the product that can play these kinds of rooms. A lot of people, you know, assume in their mind like, well, yeah, I feel good, and or even sometimes we get in the mindset like this is the best I've ever sounded. So like, obviously, I should be able to, but. 
the reality is, is sometimes you have to ask yourself, well, what are the other bands in this room doing, doing. Mm-hmm. on average? And, and if that's the average, even if it seems like, okay, so if they all have crazy light shows and you don't, well, it might seem like, well, I don't need a crazy light show. But if all the bands in these rooms that you're playing have one readily available and you don't, well, then that means that the light show is the bare minimum now. The, the light show is the, the standard. Baseline. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So you're going to have to match that. And uh, when we started It's All Good, that was another thing that we did was we invested a lot of money back into the equipment right away before, before we started investing it into our pockets just because we knew the better equipment we have, the better shows we're going to be able to book. If we have a nice, a really nice PA system, now we can get booked at bigger venues that are, re- that are requiring us to provide sound without having to necessarily st- hire a whole sound company and take a big cut out of our pay. We can just hire a sound guy that can come and work on our X32 and, and our show's already on there and stuff. So, um, and then to backtrack with what you were saying about the booking agent, actually a third option, because you can, you can self-book, you can go through an agent, but there are options to do a little bit of both. There are agents that will do uh, like one-offs, one-offs or like single, yeah. single contracts for venues. I know some agencies will even do, okay, so say uh, I'm your booking agency and I book you at some nightclub. Now your contract with me is for, let's say two years at that nightclub. So all it is, is anytime you book through that nightclub for the next two years, it comes through me. Or if you didn't book it through me, say you booked it through another agency because now they're exclusive. I still get my cut until those two years are up, but just from that specific venue. So it might be beneficial to look, you know, okay, maybe I can get on an agency just to do some of these venues or rooms that I might have trouble getting in on my own. Um, but understand that they're going to want that like couple year commitment and rightfully so it takes about two years to really build a band you know up into something and it would stink to be a booking agent and book somebody once right. and then they just book themselves there forever and now you you don't get your cut so right it's definitely important but I think that that's the third option is you can have a little bit of both you just got to be smart with it and understand what can I do myself and what can I bring an agency on for but for me I have not I have not yet had a bad experience with using it. I've never wished I wasn't using an agent. Yeah, no, that's good. Um, yeah. it's, it's, it's so great to like hear the, the difference because even like when I dipped my toes in the cover band waters, um, some, so for me personally, I was anti booking agent. Mm-hmm. Um, not anti in the sense of like, oh, like this is evil. Just anti in the sense that I wanted to make sure that I had all the connections. Mm-hmm. Like for, sure. I, for me, it was more of like a, okay, if, third option oh if i have to go through why would i want to do that when mm-hmm. i could get it myself now granted the answer to that question is because it's hard <laughs> like the, the the real answer is because it's hard a lot of times there are like quote-unquote gatekeepers to certain venues and oftentimes that is a booking agent or a um or a booking company mm-hmm. um and so it Absolutely. can make it difficult for you to get into that room so the amount of legwork that you need to put in to get in can be rough. Also, if you want to go about it that way, it will behoove you to become very good friends with everyone who owns the agencies. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I will do in case you are interested is I will provide links to the agencies that I'm familiar with. Like I know that there's there's Midnight, Midnight Sun, that's Rick Green. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Starfield, Starfield. Billy Stott. Yep. There's um, Star Lee we with Gary. About. There's uh, Frank and Uziata, mm-hmm. AEM. AEM yep. um, Which, so we, so AEM actually books us when we play New Jersey and stuff like that. We're not on AEM, but they'll, sometimes booking agencies will work together. So, um, 
like Frank will book us up in New Jersey through Gary, through Gary right. and then Gary will book one of his bands down in Baltimore or DC or in one of those areas right. where Gary might have, you know, one of those rooms is his room. So the only way to get into it is through, through him. him. So right. even in the, in the agencies, they're kind of doing that with themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So they're trading. They're kind of trading bands back and forth and stuff. And right. So there is there is that, and I will provide you guys with the resources if you do want to go through the tedious and strenuous work of building relationships with the individuals like i know everyone's name because i build relationships with them mm -hmm. you know and it took time um and probably much like yourself you have agencies coming after you mm -hmm. you have agencies who are like hey we want your band mm -hmm. we want um and so you can that's always a great p position to put yourself in like w one great thing is that if you do manage to get yourself into a room that you're quote unquote not supposed to be in, mm -hmm. like let's say you manage to get yourself into the casino circuit, um, you will get the attention of agencies. And then they will mm -hmm. come to you and they will try to like commandeer you, like, hey, mm -hmm. why don't you kind of sign with us or let us handle some of your bookings or mm -hmm. whatever it is like that. Um, that's a great position to put yourself in because then you have kind of leverage and you have some negotiating power. Absolutely. Um, and even if you are deciding, uh, like myself, to not go that route, it is still always a great thing, always, to be respectful and kind and and try to learn as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, I definitely took a lot of time. Like, hey, yeah. let me e emails and phone calls and, like, stopping up to people's offices or whatever just to get to know them on a personal mm -hmm. level because I'm like, how did you get where you got? Yeah, how did yeah. you get here where you control the entrance yeah, to, to all of absolutely. these different places and stuff? And when you can kind of work in that realm too uh it opens up some things for you unfortunately um this is just a disclaimer right this is just music in general music in general can seem like it has a life a lifetime to it like there is a, mm -hmm. a limited lifespan of when you can be hot or not that li that lifespan in the cover band world can tend to be shorter just and just because you're singing the same songs as someone else is singing and if someone is younger and they're going to sing in front of 21-year-olds. 21-year-olds mm -hmm. would like to see someone that's relatively close to their age or looks like they're close to their age singing to them rather than, like, someone who's 45. Absolutely. Um, so, and if you are 45, when you see the bands, that they still dress very hip. And they have, the ones that are doing well have kept themselves in very good shape. Yeah. They're all, you know what I mean? Kristen and the Noise, for instance, exactly, is a great example. Exactly, Kristen exactly. looks exactly. phenomenal. Yeah, like, exactly, yeah. exactly. That's what you have to be able to do to backtrack a little before we get um to another topic um another thing instead of saying like you don't even have to say no to these agencies you could say right. i'm not interested in doing some sort of exclusive contract but hey if you ever have any one-off dates yeah i would be and that's a good way to keep in contact because maybe they will book you for one event or for mm -hmm. something like that um also with if so say you're in a band and you decide you know what i am going to do all the booking myself i'm going to do it. i i think it is good to then it's not a bad thing to pay yourself that agency fee, whether it's 10%, 15%, whatever you right. and the band think is reasonable. But if you're doing all that work, it's not unreasonable to say for every date, we're going to take 10% off the top and that's going to just go to me for like working on these. Now, if it's your band, maybe maybe less, whatever you would think is reasonable. But I don't think it's, if you're doing all that extra work, I don't think that that's necessarily an unreasonable thing as long as, you know, you're upfront with your bandmates. You don't want them to all of a sudden be like, wait, Where did that money you go? weren't booking for free. You were like, like right. just, but, but I also think if you're with reasonable musicians, they're going to understand, well, yeah, this takes a lot of extra time and i'm able to make all this money without having to do any work because of what you're doing right why would i not want to compensate you for that so and if they're not cool with that then maybe 
Yeah, have a talk with them or reevaluate them. Yeah, no, that, a that's business. a big thing. It yeah. is because um, it's not an issue. At least it wasn't an issue so much for original music. When we jumped into the, because, and I'm going to explain, when you jump into a certain world, a certain tier in the cover band area, the money is at, is, if I'm being candid, I think it's a little absurd. It's so to just say it hypothetically, I can make in two, not hypothetically, I can make in two weekends what I made in a month of touring in a large cover band. I mean, not in a large a metal band, band that was yeah. playing all over the world. And so, but it's because that a lot of these places have a built-in audience. So when you think, okay, wait, this place is willing to pay a cover band X amount of dollars. Yeah, because they're bringing in yeah. <laughs> way more. And that's the other thing. As you start to build a draw as a cover band, then when people know you're going to bring people, like if the Amish Outlaws, if you're not familiar with, they, with who they are. Dope cover band. They, yeah, they're awesome. And actually, one of the guys in it was Amish, and he went away on Rumspringer and then ended up starting this band. And, uh, and, and they are awesome. And they make a ton of money because any bar that books them knows, knows when they're there, yeah. it's going to be packed. You're going to make your money back. So, and that's part of the difference between that and original music because it is You're much selling harder. selling two different things. Yeah, yeah, and as an original artist, here's the thing. People want to hear music that they want to hear. And if you have really, really good original music, you might turn them on to that. But if you're a cover band, they know they're going to hear songs that they want to hear and they might hear them in another way. For me, as a cover artist... My favorite thing is writing the arrangements. Our third set is a 48-minute long mashup of one thing. It's one track. We just start it, and it goes straight through. Um, and that was so much fun for me to write because it, it's, I'm not an original artist, but it, you get to express your creativity. I'm making my original create yeah, yeah, yeah. in a way that, I, that no one has ever heard it before. Mm -hmm. They're going to be able to hear these songs. And so there are lots of fun things you can do with that. But, yeah, it's, the money in the cover band industry is very, very, very tempting. It's lucrative. Yes, yes, it's a real job, as in you can work and make, you know, a decent, decent living. But it is, but because of that, there is so much more to it because you go from being a band in Waverly, you're a band that's making, you know, with all your merch sales and all that stuff, you're making, you know, a couple grand a year to your cover band and you're making six figures. Six easy. figures, easy. Easy. Yeah. easy, easy. And it's like, oh, okay, so now... All this is like a whole new, like, okay, this person getting paid and this person getting paid and this and sound guy and lights guys and like wh whoever is there. So there's so much more money flowing and, and I handle all that too. So it's just me and my accountant. So it's, it's a lot more work and behind the scenes things that um, people don't realize go into. People think, oh, cover band, that's super easy. Well, no, you have to memorize like 200 songs. You have to play all the time for really long periods of time. We were actually... Uh, we were at uh, Fegger's Island in Ocean City mm -hmm. a couple weeks ago, and the bass player from uh, All Time Low was there. And we got to talk with him for a while and stuff like that, and he was like, dude, we, we play all the time, and the most songs we ever play is like half of what you guys just did, like yeah. 20 songs tops. And he's like, it, that's insane. So like, even at that level, yeah, they 90, look at like... 90 these, minutes is like... If you're doing an original set and it's 90 minutes long, that's, that's long. extremely long. Yeah. That's extremely long. Then when you jump to the cover band world, especially if you're outside of Maryland, like if you're in Maryland or Jersey yeah. or whatever, they can four-hour sets. Yeah, 180 is like average. Yeah. Average. And, and, so as, and also the other thing with cover music is you're not – I mean, I, I can change the keys to be in my range and mm -hmm. stuff a little better, but 
Which I advise. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> we tune a half step down. We tune everything. Like, like on recording and stuff, we'll play standard, but everything live, it saves so much just from our voices. Like, what was your highest note is now, like, a little yeah, bit more everything's kind of in your tessitura. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly, exactly. So, um, but... You know, I do a ton of Michael Jackson. So we have three singers and it's all good. And uh, we luckily all have very vastly different voices. Murat has, is a baritone, uh, but he has an incredible falsetto. Um, and Johnny can just hit Panic at the Disco kind of like really high notes. And I'm like right in the middle. Where I'm a tenor, but I, because my voice is always tired, my head range is not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have to be anymore because I have these guys for right now. Right. Which is good. But I'm still singing like all the Michael Jackson stuff, all that, that stuff that's still way up in that register. So... People don't. Whereas if I was writing, I'd probably write it a little lower. lower. But yeah. too low, it, it doesn't have the same effect because now power. the verse is too yeah. low. And that, so um, there's a little bit of that, and and that people don't realize. We host um, live karaoke every Sunday at Trolley Tap House in Wilmington, and uh, we we have a huge list for people to do karaoke from, and we just have to have like a ton of songs memorized. People don't realize that like that's a lot of work. It, it's hard to memorize my own songs lyrics, let alone like million other songs you know what right. I, mean? I try to i try to do it as like a uh a story you try to tell your like what is this song actually talking about oh okay well once you think of it in story form it's easier it's a little to memorize. Easier. but yeah so i'm admittedly horrible at remembering the lyrics to songs so bad so bad like I'm, all the time all the time yeah. i'm like turning to people like yeah oh what that's yeah. a look that was a look i had with the band members like dude and especially yeah, during like, the real set sometimes you zone out and then you get to a chorus and you're like did I already do did verse I do two? that? Yeah. Did I do verse <laughs> yeah. two? Am I verse did I do three? That? Yeah. But, yeah. But um, yeah. But so that happens as well. But with, see, with music, it's easier to remember because at a certain musical level, you're not really thinking about the chords. At least, and it repeats. But, yeah, but like, yeah. But also, yeah. you just you can kind of hear where the chords are going. Oh, now we're at a four. We're at a five. Yeah. We're at a and that that's also a really good benefit of cover music. Real quick is your ear will get so good because as you start playing with random players and like, especially with what we do at karaoke when we call out songs, you're hearing it and, and learning, oh, well, there's four, five, one, three. And we're, we're, you know what I mean, playing through that. And so your ear gets really atoned to playing lots of different styles of mm-hmm. music with people. And so, um, but with lyrics, you can't really do that. You can't just like, be like, oh, well, this is now the verse where I sing about this booty or, you know what I mean, right. whatever it is. So especially when it's... um. We do uh, shake that thing, young Annabella. Mm-hmm. We do that, yeah. and our guitar, our bass player Marat sings it, and like the lyrics make not a lot of sense, and so it's really hard to remember like what he's singing about when when there's not really any reference points. So I don't know, but it's uh, it's definitely fun. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're like you are enjoying it. I'm glad that this all good has been taken off. You guys have been mm-hmm. experiencing some success. It's dope that you guys are getting a kind of tour around. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like anyone who would be listening. Yeah, it's an option. It is. It is a thing. Um, I I probably sound like the the one who's kind of like ah, cover bands, but uh, that's honestly just because it's genuine. That is honestly how I do sort of feel about it. I think that it is it is great if you want to make money. I think it's great if you want to get experience playing. I think a lot of players, a lot of musicians become better players once they enter co- the cover world because they just play more they and, play out more they play out longer they like and you play in a whole bunch of different styles mm-hmm. like was mentioned so it does kind of increase your dexterity well and and with that um and this is again not a knock to solely original artists but when you get into the cover scene you realize all the players are really good because there is a certain standard you have to be at yeah so 
the good players in the cover scene are just like phenomenal. And now the good players in the original scene are great too, obviously. But if you're at a certain, especially when you're older, if you're like in your 40s and you're still in the original scene and, you know, doing all that stuff, that's awesome. But, you know, I don't know, maybe something hasn't gone a certain way along the right. way. If you're in your 40s and you're in a cover band, you could be an excellent, excellent guitarist because you're making a full easy living, not easy living, but you know what I mean? You're mm -hmm. Money-wise, you're making plenty enough money to like live playing in one of these larger cover bands. And especially another benefit to the cover music scene is a little bit of the longevity in some other genres. If you're playing country or if mm. you're playing, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, even some like... Uh, not blues, but like even like some gospel R and B stuff like that. You can, you can have older cats in there that yeah. are just jamming because a lot of it is about the musicality and like that stuff. So I think there are definitely pros and cons. Even in reggae, yeah, even exactly. in reggae, there's exactly. a little bit where they're a yeah. little bit older. Yeah, so there are pros and cons all over. Mm -hmm. Um, the the thing that I draw to the most that is a con is the thing that most people think is the pro. So it's like a catch twenty two, and that's the money. You think the I, money's a con? I, I think it, I think the money in the audience is a con because mm -hmm. I've seen good, I've seen great musicians even mm -hmm. go into the either wedding bands or cover bands. Yeah, wedding bands are cover bands, but it's a little different. Um, go into that world, see, get intoxicated by the money, mm -hmm. and have no willpower yeah, to go sure. back to the original scene because it, sure. it it just is. It's like to to just put things frankly. Since we were kind of talking very ambi like ambiguously earlier when it comes to like monetary value, like if you're in a cover band and you're in a, an A tier, you can charge anywhere from depending on the room, anywhere from twenty five hundred to four thousand dollars to play. And and, and more. Like, I mean, and if you're more. one of the top right. A bands, you can charge whatever you want. Especially and on then a you can also charge the door. Like yeah, depending exactly, on the, the exactly. depending on the venue, you can also charge the door too, or cut out some type of percentage door deal, so you get your guarantee plus mm -hmm. also the door. A lot of that has to do with capacity stuff. But anyway, and when you, if you are on your way there, you'll understand this stuff. But yeah, because we're also we're kind of talking from best case scenario yes. here as well with the cover scene. I've been, I, I'm kind of talking fluently through it. We were very lucky, and, and more than lucky, just like it, it just was. A lot of good things happen Happened in the right order to make true. it happen. So that was awesome. But also, I could sit here and talk for hours about all the years of trying things that didn't work and stuff. This just happened to be the story right. that is working so far. Maybe I'll sit down with you a year from now and be like, yeah, all that was bull and it went immediately <laughs> to disaster after right. that. No. But, um, but yeah, so this is also best case scenario kind of what I'm, what I'm talking about right now. But... Um, but yeah, I definitely get what you're saying with the downside of the money and stuff. For us, I knew from day one that eventually I wanted to be able to go and put out original music. But my original music that I'm putting out is top 40 pop music, so it fits with what Fit we're doing. Right. Exactly. If I was putting... Now I am... Okay, so for example, I'm putting out uh, my first solo song in probably six years, finally. Um, all instrumental, crazy stuff that if I could just write whatever I want, this is that what I would write. Really, so yeah. I played everything on an electric drum, drum set and it's just very technical kind of crazy stuff. I'm excited about it. I don't care what it does. I don't care if five people listen to it or if 500,000 people. And I genuinely mean that because this is something that I'm just releasing because I had fun creating it yeah. and maybe a couple other people will listen to it and be like, yo, this was fun. I'm not going to sell it. I'm, not, I'm just going to release it. It's all I care about for that. With It's All Good, I care about the exact 
not the exact opposite, but my part of my focus is I want to get it all in as many hands as possible. And I want to get, you know, eventually to be able to monetize whatever original music we're putting out there and stuff like that, because it's all good is I, I love doing it. It's also a business. It is my job and it is what keeps me from having to have another, another job. normal job. Yeah, exactly. So even if I want to treat it that best case scenario, it is still an awesome job. And all of my jobs are cool. I do that and then I own the studio and then I'm the music director at a church. So it's like full time. I get to do these musical jobs that I kind of get to work my own schedule around. So it's and I want to cool. I want to touch on those other things too. Yeah, yeah, so because yeah, you know the whole point of this podcast is really to equip people with the tools that they need, and mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what tools they are, just whichever tools they need for them as individuals to become full time musicians. Yes. Like so, if you want to be a full time musician, and the and the cover world is your answer, then that's your answer. Mm -hmm. Like that, then that's where you need to be. That's where you because need you, to live. You also because might be the best cover musician ever like that might right. be your thing because and you might be excellent at that and, and i'll tell you the truth the best cover musician ever is making a lot more money than a lot of the biggest original artists you know just because of if you're in one of the biggest cover bands out there you're making a ton of money and also this area this is another thing this area uh, the is northeast the best yeah. area in the country for cover bands because it's the only place where i can be in new york then philly then baltimore then dc then virginia beach then mm. atlantic city then ocean city then Every single night, a different city. When you're in California, it's like, I'm in L.A. That's and it. now I'm going to drive hours yeah. to get to San Francisco, but I can't build a following because it's hours away. And, yeah. and it's expensive to drive, all that. So people don't realize, I mean, if you are going the cover band route and you live in this area, you are in a good spot to yeah. live. This so. is like one of the, the only places, too, where they actually have really good guarantees and too. casinos everywhere that yeah. you can play like yeah most places don't have most places do not have the types of guarantees exactly. that we have here exactly. even even if you're not going to be like oh i'm a big cover band or whatever but if, if you just want to get into cover music you can, and you want to be a solo acoustic cover act the types of guarantees that you can get mm -hmm. out of this area specifically delaware yep is crazy delaware and the beaches you you can yeah. as a solo artist you could pull four hundred dollars a gig and be playing four or five nights a week if you really wanted to. And yep. that's much more than you'd be able to make doing most other... And that's only three hours out of your day. Exactly. Like, and as an acoustic artist, it's super easy to set up, play, yep. tear down. And so some people, like, knock that. But the reality is, is, like, if you're looking to do this as a job and you're just like, you know what, I don't want to work a different job, mm -hmm. this is a very, very valid option because you get to play all the time. Your chops will get... so. I mean... Even though my voice is tired, I feel like I'm an exponentially better singer than I was even a year ago just because I get to do it every night. My yeah. runs might feel more tired, but they're also a little bit more in the pocket Accurate. and on key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, well, your musicality increases. You're, exactly. just, you're, you're exactly. saturated in exactly. the environment. And, your and you're playing so many yeah. different environments. That yeah. helps, too. Learns so. how to work a crowd. I even think that if you were... This is an option, right? So just as an option... Maybe you want to get into if your ultimate goal goal is that you don't want to be in a cover band and you do want to do original music and blah, blah blah. I still think that it is a plus for you to just live in that world for maybe a year or so, because the things that you learn about how to run an audience, how to run a show, mm -hmm. how to like it. You have an audience in front of you. Mm -hmm. So you understand then how to control the dynamic, how to utilize the energy and you'll learn how to a do it for three man. hours. Yeah you know not just 45 minutes mm -hmm. so you'll really learn how to how to control and navigate the audience because some rooms that you play might have a thousand people in them it's 
as an original artist, it's difficult to be in a room where you have a thousand people at it. That mm-hmm. especially in the beginning stages, I guess that's the the mm-hmm. big caveat to mention is just that in the beginning stages of being in a cover band, you can play a room and at least be playing in front of like two or three hundred people. Mm-hmm. In the beginning stages of being an original artist, it is very difficult to be mm-hmm. playing in front of a few hundred people unless you get on kind of like a festival bill or you happen to get on a bill with a, a larger artist, but even then, they might not be there for you. They're walking around, yeah. Exactly. Different so, when they're all right here. Yeah, and that's a different. That's another thing too that you want to keep in mind too is that when you do play cover music, you are it, you kind of have more of a passive audience. Mm-hmm. Um, in the middle, you start to get an. It's it's crazy because it's like you have a passive audience, but then once you really get a a draw, mm-hmm. like let's say your go go gadget. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of have a captive audience to some degree at that point. Always, you know, you kind of like it. It changes, but in an original scene, most of the time, it's, you're always kind of operating within mm-hmm. a captive audience. Yep. Um, and I know that for some people, that bothers them. Like they don't, I don't want to be on stage and playing music, and then people are just kind of talking through yeah. my set or drinking. Or, yeah. But you, but that's why it's. But to me, when I hear that, that's your job as an artist to captivate, to captivate them. What do them. I do? Yeah. What do I? Okay, they're not paying attention. Well, why? If the music is good, then it's got to be something else. I so when if you guys haven't seen it's all good live, you should definitely check it out. Definitely I go check definitely it out. Definitely address it. Well, it's just it's a fun. If I was not in the band, I would still think it was a fun experience because my whole goal is to make it a fun experience. That's right. the whole point. And of You're my also game. pretty wild too. Doing yeah, like yeah, we do we do backflips, we swing yeah. from the ceilings, we do con- ton, tons of stuff. But that is because I understand most of my our audience is drunk, and they should be. It's going to be a fun time. It's it's fine. But what is the drunk person going to remember the next day that will stand out? They wake up, they say, oh my gosh, I saw this car. Oh my gosh, remember that guy did a backflip? Or, oh my God, they, and these are little gimmicks that I don't think everybody has to do. But for me, I want it so that the next day they remember and then they pull our business card that I gave them out of the pocket and they look us up and they follow us online. And also because it just, I mean, people come for those things. You don't yeah. realize it, but they really, they might not be the biggest music fan, but somebody's like, yo, no, this band is, They're fun. you're gonna have fun, you're gonna have a fun time. Yeah. And that's what we try to do, and we try to mash up a little bit of everything from the 70s till now. I wear very, very flamboyant and fancy clothes on stage that I don't wear normally, and that's for a couple reasons. One, it's part of the show. Two, it's when I dress up as a character, I'm able to perform way better. I was never a singer growing up, like, in a band setting. It was, oh, I was always the drummer but I was always doing musical theater so when I can put myself in this other mindset it's so much easier to control a crowd in that way so yeah. that really helps but then also it's again people will wake up the next morning and be like oh my gosh that guy had gold shoes or right. little things like that that um could be corny if done the wrong way but if you sell it the correct way I mean look at Prince look at Michael Jackson look yeah, at any yeah, of these it's captivating nobody was looking at them and saying like what? oh that's, that, that's their that's, style that's their yeah, swag exactly, like, exactly. That's, that, so, that becomes their swag if my ultimate goal is to achieve that level not saying that I will but if that's our ultimate goal as a, as a musician is to, re, to achieve that high level or high standard then I, why am I not performing that way right so um, especially when it's like in fortunately what you the luxury that you do get being a cover artist is that everyone knows the songs Mm -hmm. they're gonna sing along Mm -hmm. like so the hardest thing to have good as an artist is always the songs like you you live or die by your songs you can't be a great artist with like a a crap song so the good thing is is that you know you have good songs Mm -hmm. you have nothing but hits and you have nothing but hits that everyone knows so you do get to focus in on performing like, yes. how do I engage yeah. you? How do I perform? The song is already locked in. It's good. It's not like 
you're going to do a set, and it's going to be like, ooh, that song well, sucks. Well, you, yes, but to pause there, that with song choice, that is a very important thing because there are a lot of artists that you'll hear that are pretty good, but they've just picked songs that either don't fit don't them flow. well or, yeah, don't flow in the set. Like, you could have great songs, but if they're in the wrong order, it's not going to achieve the same dynamic range. Right. So, so yes, I get what you're saying with the, you're already playing hits, but make sure you are, if you're playing a song and, like, three or four nights in a row, people aren't responding to it, cut it. Cut it. you got a yeah, million other songs. It. And you know what? You can always go back to it later. Who knows? Like, Africa, I'm sure tons of cover bands played that back in the day, and then nobody played it for a while, and now everybody and now plays it, came it back. again. Yeah, yeah. Man, So there back. are songs like that. There are other songs like Stacey's Mom. It will always be a hit. It will, oh, no matter where, you, where it is, unless it's like, I guess, like some biker bar or something like that. For the yeah, most like part, a more urban that's place. A, yeah, yeah. yeah, but even, you'd be surprised. Like, that is a song that just, even if people don't know the verse, as soon as the chorus comes on, no matter where you're playing. They're like, yeah. Yeah, but maybe that's the type of song. That's another thing we didn't talk that's about. That's you with, mash up. Yeah, with cover music, we yeah. mash everything up. You do. The, the the formula I've found the ver bet that works the best is intro, maybe a little intro, but right into the verse, chorus. Verse if it's a real big chorus, maybe double chorus. If it's a bridge that is like a memorable part of the song that people like, so like Mr. Brightside or like things like that, like songs where like you know that has that hook, then hit that, but then get to the next song. Right. There are a few songs we will do the whole thing to, like 24 Karat Magic, stuff like that, where it's just like you know the whole song's going to like slam. But like for the most part, we just get to the point and then move on because move on. then you're able to play so many more, more songs. songs. You don't yeah. have to, mem a lot of times the hardest part about memorizing a song is the order and all the extra chords because verse two changes slightly. Or the so if you're just learning one verse, one chorus, you can also learn Four way chords. more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 you can yeah. learn so many songs so quickly. So I don't know. And it's just, it's fun. Like uh, we'll be driving in the car and like I'll hear a song and then I'm like singing another song over it in my head. And I'm like, yeah, it's because you're like the, a DJ. Could, yeah, you're like okay. a, when I have some, subscriptions to DJ services where I can get just the vocals from a track or just the synth lines or any of that. So I make all our tracks and I can, for the most part, kind of... For anyone them. listening and doesn't understand what he's referring to, he's referring to like backtracks. Backtracks. So is, like say, uh, say, what's a good example? Um, uh, like, oh, I want to dance with somebody or something like that. You have like the synths coming in or the strings in I want you back or things like that. You can, it's the same way that DJs... Uh, work and it works under the same licenses and stuff that DJs would do. Um, but I can do that so that if we're playing something and I need to front, but I still need a synth part, it can come in through the backing tracks. And now some people hate on this stuff. I can tell you firsthand as a musician, you have to be a tight musician to play with backing tracks because after you can't 83 clicks, this is going to come in. And so you can't be one click off. You can, Yeah. So, right. so I mean, and all the tightest musicians do it all different ways, but like all the all any big band for the most part that you're gonna see is gonna have some sort of track. Sometimes it's triggered by a pad, sometimes it's a laptop, sometimes it's a keyboard. Right. Lots of different ways. Um, but for us, I mean, it's I make these clicks that you you start and it's 45 minutes of it goes nonstop. Straight through. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't make somebody messes up, yeah, don't make if somebody messes up, you you keep going and the other three people cover for you. So and actually, okay, so the other day when we were in Boston. Thousand people there, huge crowd, and all of a sudden we're in the middle of this uh, set, 19 minutes in, and it just starts from the, the beginning again. The click just oh, goes back no. to the beginning of the track, and we're like, "Oh my okay. gosh!" Because how are you going to even find that? So we got to a point where we could pause, and I just said uh, to the sound, "I said, hey, can we mute the tracks real quick? Just mute the tracks real quick." And then they fixed it, so it wasn't coming in the house. Lloyd figured out, okay, well. 
it was around here. He found exactly where it was. Murat heard it. He came in. We covered it. And while he was doing that, I just talked about the talk. band. Yeah, so they talk. didn't know. It yeah. gave me a chance. In our 43-minute set, I don't normally have too much time to talk about the band because it's one song and the next. So I talked about the band a little bit. He gave me the thumbs up. And uh, the sound guy just instead of just unmuting him, just brought him back up in the mix, and it sounded like yeah. it faded in, and we went back in. Now, granted, that was as smooth as it could have went. There was a million ways that could have went way right. horribly. You're panicking on stage, like, right. this is the part, this is the nightmare that you always fear of with doing the tracks. But, um, yeah, it, it worked out. And, and what's fun. nice, though, is that you have, you have musicians in your band. And that, unfortunately, there are some bands who don't. So mm -hmm. they, I think that's where Backtracks got a bad name. Mm -hmm. Backtracks are dope. They got a bad name because people started to hide behind them. Mm -hmm. You had musicians who were not high caliber musicians mm -hmm. cheating using yep. Backtracks. And then it kind of gave it a bad name where it's like, oh, well, you're not really playing mm -hmm. that. And that, But it's like, no, if, in your situation, your band has musicians in it. So mm -hmm. even if they couldn't get the tracks back up, it'd be like, all right, whatever. We can still play all of this stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, we exactly. We can still exactly. play the music. Exactly. Um, um, but it's just nice. Like, so when we do 24 Karat Magic, we sample the little intro. Tonight. Mm. So do we need that? No. But it as ends. soon as it hits, everybody knows what yeah. song is about to come. And it's like, it's exciting. So, yeah, definitely. But the one that, I mean, if you're playing with backing tracks, the drummer does have to be on. If, if, you're, if you're playing with b tracks that have, like, drum parts in it and like electronic drum parts especially and your drummer's not tight that's it's good gonna you're show. gonna know but if you got a tight drummer <laughs> that's right in the pocket with those drum tracks it can sound phenomenal so um but i don't know man i i i enjoy doing it i like writing the mashups i think i think it's a good thing that you should experiment at least a little bit with yeah definitely don't hide behind it i will say we use a lot of backing tracks probably more than necessary would like but uh, not more than I would like. I, I just, it's what sounds really good for what we need live. Mm -hmm. Some songs we use no backing tracks. Some songs we just have a tambourine. And some songs, you know, we're essentially playing over top of like an instrumental version of the song because it's almost all synthesizers and mm -hmm. we want it all in there. So what we Do you we guys add, have a synth player? What's up? Do you have a synth player? I, I play synths, but I also oh, but a lot of times in front yeah. So it just depends. And, and sometimes I'll have the synth in the backing track and I'm playing the same exact chord voicings but with a different patch and I'm blending mm. it together because a lot of times my keys might not be ran through the sub as much but the synth patch I put in the backing tracks is. I specifically made to have that sub some, frequency yeah. in there there's some parts where we have a bass track in the um, backing tracks but it's a synth bass that by itself might sound too synthetic synthetic but with the bass by itself, the bass sounds too hollow. When you combine the synth bass coming on the track with what he's actually playing live, yeah, nice you get this sound. big live yeah. sound. Yeah, so don't hide behind your tracks, but also some people are like, well, I don't want to do anything. I can't. Ultimately, you want whatever sounds best live. At least that's my opinion. If, if your goal is to bring in as much of an audience as you can, um, you ultimately want whatever sounds best live without necessarily sacrificing your musicianship or your musicality. Right. I don't think that anyone could come out to an It's All Good show and like, be sad about our musicianship hopefully not I mean, it sure depends that... on what you're selling too that's exactly, a big thing exactly. like some some bands are selling the fact that it's like yo their musicians are fire you know if you're exactly. if you're dirty loops you're selling you that your musicians are fire mm -hmm, absolutely. you know like that's okay that's what you're selling you're what you're not selling then is probably a light show and production value you know because that's going to distract from yeah, the fact that exactly. the musicians are fire you know like so there's there's different packages it's like you know there's a reason why they make Frosted flakes and corn flakes and stuff like different exactly. people like different things. Different like, strokes for different folks. Yeah, yeah definitely. Exactly. Um, 
but I wanted to also touch on, since we were kind of in that area, the other things that you do, because you are, you were doing like the Andover Media thing, right? Yeah, so I had Andover Media for a while. I actually sold that uh, to a buddy of mine who kind of took over all that, and it's much more of like a video uh, company now. It used mm -hmm. to be Andover Recording. I still have a studio, um, and I'm going to be announcing like the name of all that and everything soon. The problem is Dope. I'm just so busy, I don't want to take on any new clients yet. I have still like a waiting list. Um, I'm not really, I am still recording some bands, but I don't, I used to love recording bands because I was single and so like having a bunch of dudes stay at my house for like two weeks and like yeah, party friends. and like do all that. <laughs> yeah. It's fun, it's fun. Now I'm like past that and so like. Congratulations on being married. Oh yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, my wife is great. We've been married two years now almost. Um, so, but now I love ghostwriting. Most of what I do is ghostwriting for pop artists, metal artists, all, all kinds of stuff. And then I can just sit in my studio and, and work. Yeah. And it's it's so nice. And and so I love doing that. I do that during the day a lot. I do um, some like commercial music scoring like you were talking about and stuff. Um, I still do produce, um, like, but it's mostly the only albums I take on are albums that are going to be worth the amount of it, see, when, when I first, and this is something that hopefully is a problem that everybody eventually has when you're doing music. When I first started doing music, my problem was that I had no money but tons of time. So I was trying to fill all my time so that I could start making money. Mm -hmm. Now, once you do music long enough, you kind of have enough streams of reliable income from different little sources, different sources because you've been doing it. Yeah, you're not really making a ton from this or a ton from, but it's enough that like throughout the month you're making, a, you know, you're making mm -hmm. a living doing music. And once, but once that happens, then the problem is you have plenty of, not plenty of money, but you have like enough money to pay your bills and stuff. But now your time is just like very much more regimented. You have to kind of schedule everything in much more. So um, for me, I'm taking on projects that are worth, that I enjoy putting the time into because I know it will be worth it in the long, I'll learn from it, I'll, you know, make a really good, it's an album that I know I'll be able to make sound good by the end. Mm -hmm. So if a band comes to me and they're like, yo, this is what we've written, this is what we want to record, like blah, 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 it's all right music, it's probably, I'll recommend them to somebody else because, just because I don't have time for that right now. If somebody mm -hmm. comes to me and says, look, we're a band and here's our budget and we we have like demos, ideas, but we want you to just write this album with us, then I'll probably, it's, I'm much more likely to take it on because I know I'll be able to make it into something that I feel comfortable putting exactly. out at this yeah. point. I have no reason, I don't have a need to like be promoting myself as a producer right now. Maybe eventually I will, but right now I'm focusing on the band. A few years ago, that was much more what I was into and the band was kind of like a secondary thing, but um, now it's kind of, I really like being a performer, and yeah, 10 yeah. years from now, I'll be a little older and stuff, so Maybe for right Maybe it'll now, change then. Yeah, so for right, right now, I'm just going to focus on that and, like, do backflips all I can. Yeah, so, and, you know what I mean? and, like, and the church thing. So what oh, about, yeah. how did how did you get into that, like, into the, the church scene? Were you just always kind of like, or do you, first of all, I guess I should ask, what do you do for the church? Are you performing for them, no, or are you doing no. sound? So it's actually, it's a very, very strange story. Uh, probably the one of the weirdest, like, uh, my life is a movie stories but when I was growing up when I was a little kid I went to this church Glasgow Reformed Presbyterian Church uh, right on it's right by Route 40 um, if you're coming in on 896 and uh, People's Plaza is like right in front of you and you like turned it's like that big church on your left it's called Reach Church now okay but, um, I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about so yes. I went there growing up and it was cool because as a little kid I would see the worship team and see the, the people working there and just be like oh my gosh that'd be insane to do that and all that stuff. And then uh, I went to uh, college 
for my beginning of college career was for kind of worship and like that stuff. I wanted to be a worship leader. Weirdly enough, through my college career, I actually walked away from religion entirely and actually kind of became very angry at it a little because growing up, I was very, very fundamentalist to the point where, I mean, I was homeschooled up till 10th grade. Then I went to uh, private Christian school and like, and not that there's anything wrong about that, but there was just a lot of things like my high school taught me that the world was a couple thousand years old. And so when I got to college, I was like, oh, wait, what? Like, so right, all these things yeah. led up and then all of a sudden I you got to do like, some relearning. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. But then I got like kind of angry for a little while, but then um, I ended up recording. So the church hired me just as an outside private contractor to record their album. They had some original songs and uh, they knew me as a producer in the area because I had went there when I was younger and all that stuff. And the album turned out really good. And at that point, you know, they kind of talked to me about doing some sound there on the side, like mixing for Sunday. And um, at this point, I had kind of, um, I was not a religious person, but I was not an anti-religious person either. I had come to like realize, oh, there's a lot of good that this stuff does. And like a lot of people find a lot of joy in this. And oh, okay, there's a reason it's it's around and, and that people need it. So, um, you know, I started doing that and then realizing like, oh, these people are awesome. Like these, you know, and so now I've been there for a while and it ended up being that I guess about a year later they came in and asked me to be the music director, um, which is different. They actually have a worship director that's separate. So mm -hmm. my only job is to make the band sound, not only job, but my main job is to make the band and everything sound good, to work on the harmonies that we're singing, to work on the chord voicings, yeah. what drum beat is going on here, the bass part, kind of writing a little bit of like some mashups a little bit as well. as, as Music uh, directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> music, exactly. Directing. music directing. But yeah. I, I don't do anything on stage. Um, sometimes I do sing uh, from like the back of the church. Actually, I have like a mic and like if somebody's sick or not feeling good that day, I'll sing a harmony. Fill in or, the part. Yeah, 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 fill in something. Or But but my mic, I can sing it in the house. I can sing it in their ears. So if I just need to sing them a harmony, they're not singing it right. Mm -hmm. Little things like that. So it's just kind of like putting all that together. But it's been awesome. The community they have there is great. They're open to lots of like great and wonderful discussions. So it's been really cool to kind of be back in, in that community and, and uh, work with those people there. They also have like really wonderful equipment and stuff that I get to work right. with every week. And uh, so that's so. a really dope thing, too. I think that it's also it's if um, it's OK with you, you know, yeah. if you are OK with working for a church or whatever and you don't have any like hang-ups for working with a church i th i think that it's personally a great thing to do just because they tend to have resources that you may not have yourself Definitely. you know so you really get so you can put in some time working behind some great equipment or working mm -hmm. with people or just even in the environment where you don't necessarily have to have most other places like let's say it's a school or a university or whatever they're going to want some kind of experience. The great thing with your church is that it's a very safe place to just mm -hmm. kind of get involved and get the experience mm -hmm. without having any prior experience. Yeah. Um, so I love that you've like diversified so much. So for people listening, I think that that should be like the biggest thing that you really kind of took out of this entire conversation is just like Aaron's a full time musician mm -hmm. and he's been able to get that way through like you've. You've done the work, man. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, you've put in the work. Yeah. You've done the original thing. You've, like, work, drumming for somebody else's band and touring mm -hmm. and then starting your own thing, doing the original thing. Then the cover band scene. Then uh, the media company mm -hmm. and the music directing at a church and stuff. Sometimes you're going to have to diversify. You know, yeah. what's beautiful about that, though, is that all of that was still in the arts creative. I think one yeah. of the things I really try to press on to people is, it's great to diversify, and you probably need to. 
but make sure you're still diversifying with it, like that everything kind of serves everything yeah, else. Because sure. if you were just like, oh yeah, I also was a, I don't know, construction worker or yeah. something like that. It's like yes, that do that does solve the money problem. Yeah. So for anyone who is a construction worker, and also uh, that's fine. I'm just saying, if you can find a way to subsidize that income by doing the yeah. art, the thing that you want to do, try to do that. Yeah, absolutely. Music used to be my hobby, but now that it's my job. Other things are my hobby, playing ping pong, doing like things like right. that. You know what I mean? It's like, so, um, but also to point with something you were saying earlier, um, you said you have to have the right tools. Um, and, and that's kind of what my whole philosophy was. When I first got out of school, um, I was paying all these people money for mixing and recording and all this music videos and all this stuff. And I was just thinking, well, why can they do this and I can't? Well, I just haven't took the time to learn it. If I can learn it, then... And you don't I can have to do pay it. him for it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So now I make music videos for people, lyric videos, things like that. But you were saying it's about ha having the right tools. I think it's also about having as many tools as you can in your toolbox, even if you don't ever use them, because you might use them. Right. You when if you come see it's all good live, I play nine different instruments on stage at some point. Now I'd say seven or six of them. I'm I don't play well. I play just good enough to for get our live show. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I learned it for that, just so that I can use it for that. Um, but I don't need them in, in normal situations, but I'm glad that I, I learned that. I took a little time to learn the trumpet. I took a little bit, because who knows, also maybe 20 years from now, or I mean, not even 20 years from now, now there's times in the studio where I need a trumpet part, and I'm not a good trumpet player, but I'm a good engineer and an editor, so I can play uh, right. all, I can play a couple notes and <laughs> like, slice like, them together like, and like, make yeah, it yeah. at least good enough to pass until I can get somebody else to come in and track it for me for real. So you never know when it's just good to... I have, okay, this is a good example. There was um, somebody a little while ago I was talking about on uh, Facebook something about something with music theory, and somebody commented and said, I like not knowing music theory because I think music theory causes you to just be stuck in a box. And what that, that to me, <laughs> that just comes from somebody that doesn't know. The more you know, the more you realize, oh my gosh, there's so, so much, much more yes. I can do. And so, and that's kind of the point with this. I've never seen somebody like go out of the way to, to learn trumpet for like a couple months and then be like, I really wish I never did that. Right. Or like somebody go out of their way to watch like a couple hours of video on marketing or something. When I, when I first got out of college, I told myself for the first year of my career, no matter what, I was going to watch 45 minutes of YouTube videos a day related to something I don't know in my field. That's a, that is Anything. brilliant. And dude, I mean, I knew nothing about production when I started. Six months later, I was making, people were paying me $150 a song, which isn't a lot, but it's a but lot it was, for only doing it for six months. It's like, a lot from zero. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I was booked. <laughs> yeah, and right? I was I was booked with return clients. So it wasn't like I was ripping people up. People were happy with what I was giving them, and they were coming back. But it was just because I would go to do something and not know what to do, and I would just watch a video. Yeah. And not just the one part of the video. Watch the whole video because I'm going to learn eight other things that I might not have known. And now I know it. And then save it to your bookmark so that next time when you bring it up, you can go to that video right real to quick. Yeah, yeah. Or what I suggest is I actually have a notebook at home uh, that I hand write in. And whenever I'm watching a video and there's – I have categories all, all throughout of, like, compression, EQ. Whenever there's just something that, like, really sticks out to me that I want to make sure I remember, I just – I write it down in that book. And then when I'm EQing drums, I'll be like, let me see if there was any, like, good tips that I – That I wrote down. That I forgot. Yeah. And I'll open up kick drum and it's like, try this on the compressor to get it to kick a little harder. And I'm like – all right, let's see what happens. And it, and it works. And it's like things, I know how a compressor works well, but I just never thought about that exact ratio. But like that was something right. I watched a year ago. So um, 
take have a notebook just full of like little notes of things that you want to make sure you remember it's like later your tips on. and tricks yeah your exactly little tips and tricks exactly book. Yeah, little tips like and your, tricks book yeah just like a little cheat code mm -hmm. for real like i mean back in the day you know before you could like internet everything you used to like go to the store and get the little books that mm -hmm. had like the cheat codes in the back mm -hmm. for your video games just like that just like you got a little cheat code okay how do i exactly yes exactly i knew that but I just needed a refresher. Exactly. I just needed to see it one more time. But, oh, yeah. Because if you don't utilize it all the time, too, it's not just, like, on speed dial in your memory bank mm -hmm. to just go through it. But, yeah, if you've written it down, I think that's a, a great thing. That's a great message for anybody, too. Just, like, anything that yeah. you need. Write it down or save it to your bookmarks, whatever you can do to just kind of have access to it. Mm -hmm. um, that's all beautiful stuff, man. I'm really glad that you were able to come in Dude, and definitely. sit down and chat. Really appreciate Dude, it, man. Absolutely, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having where, me. Where can, if anybody wants to get a hold of you to ask you any questions or if they want to check out your music, they yeah, want to yeah, see yeah. It's All Good Band, can you just tell people how to get a hold of you? So, like, yeah, I'm online, Aaron Maloney. If you go to Instagram, it's It's All Aaron. Uh, on Facebook, it's just Aaron Maloney. The band is It's All Good. You can go to itsallgoodband.com. Uh, we host live karaoke every Sunday night right in Wilmington at Trolley Tap House. It is wild every week. Um, but yeah, if you have any other questions or anything, yeah, feel free to contact me that way. Um, that wraps up another episode of the McCove Mindset Podcast. If you appreciated any of the information in the discussion today, please rate, comment, and subscribe. Every bit of support is appreciated. And I want to continue to bring you content that will enhance your career, your life, and your overall mindset. So again, thank you for listening, and I'll see you soon. I know someone will be someone. It's you, it's you